podcast that follows creatives, makers, and doers working on projects between and after hours. Every week, we'll be interviewing guests to discover useful tips, tricks, and inspiration on topics like time management, work-life balance, motivation, and much more. Unfortunately, Jack wasn't able to join us today, but fortunately, y'all are stuck with me. I know. You're so excited about it, I can tell. Today, our our guest is glass um, and mixed media conceptual artist, Abby Offelman. Hey, Abby. How are you? Hi. I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks so much for coming on. I'm so excited to, to chat with you. But before we dive in deep, uh, can you tell us more about you and your work? Yeah. Um, so I went to school um, and graduated last year from Tyler School of Art and um I started out as a drawing painting major, but very quickly transitioned into glass um, once it was like sophomore year. And I've basically been, uh, I would say concept drives my work. And then um, I do glass, I blow glass, I do kiln working, flame working, hold um, construction. But I would say that it's mostly mixed media because um, I just let whatever uh, the concept is drive what the material I'm using. Um, and I usually stick to topics of, uh, like race or identity, uh, politics, um, memory and personal trauma and loss, stuff like that. It's just the way that I can kind of, uh, like figure out my thoughts through making work and then showing it and then yeah, seeing if people, you know, how people relate to it in their own way. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, I know this story, but for anybody who doesn't know this story, uh, what got you into glass? Yeah, I decided very last minute to take glass blowing. I literally switched into the class the day before it started because I was kind of going through some stuff and I was like, supposed to take a sculpture class and I thought it was going to be too conceptual for me at the moment. I had just lost somebody so I was like I don't really want to think about too many things. I just want to kind of um, you know learn the technique and I thought glass would be a little bit more technical and how wrong I was because it's so (laughs) conceptual but uh, as a foundation or not like the um, as like the uh, first year of being in glass um, it was a little bit more like, this is how you kind of do things. This is material and how it works. But then, um, you know, like, how are you going to use this in your artwork, in your art practice? Cool. And and what did you like about uh, working with glass uh, versus, you know, drawing, painting, and other media mediums that you've used? Yeah, I, I just, it's very... It's a very seductive material, especially hot glass. That's what I first got into, but I would say... Now I don't blow glass as much. I probably do a lot more cold working and flame working, um, kiln working. But it's just, it was, it's so exciting to be holding this thing that's 2000 degrees. And then it's also like such a material that um, you can do so much with it. And you would never think that about like, just like glass or something. But I've always been very into like illusions and optical illusions. So like glass is very easy to distort stuff like that and it's transparent nature. Um, It's also, I was just very drawn to Tyler's program itself because of 
the way the faculty were and the um, just I thought the department was a very good fit for me um, conceptually and kind of gave me all the tools I needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's an amazing program for sure. Um, so as someone who definitely does not know how to work with glass, uh, and also for our viewers, can you explain, I guess, in the best way possible, you know, the difference between those different processes you were talking about, kiln, um, uh, flame working, yeah. coal work, yeah, all that yeah. stuff. So yeah. hot glass is... Um, you know, you're, you're blowing glass, it's a uh, furnace working. So you're using a bench and blowing, um, usually with a partner, but right now because of COVID, it's a little weird. Um, but so that's like when you see like, uh, I would say like traditional glass blowing, like Italian or um, at Renaissance festivals or like attractions like that. Um, and it's a good way to make like forms and vessels, but then you, you can do a lot with it other than that. Uh, Kiln working, you can do so many things. It's like fusing, uh, slumping, or kiln casting. So you can make molds of an object and then um, pour glass into the mold and heat it, and it'll create you know the shape of the object you're trying to make. Uh, so I did a lot of kiln casting and a lot of kiln forming with that. And then flame working, um, I, I do... It's funny when people ask me about it because I have spent a lot of hours on the torch, except I make pretty much one thing, which is marbles. So I'm not that advanced at it, but I do spend a lot of time doing it. Like this is how I made like these little earrings. Um, wow. Yeah. Those are like, beautiful. Thanks. They're, they're, this is just more of a side project, but like, they're like, um, you know, just tiny little marbles, but the scale you can get from flame working is very different from, the scale in the hot shop where your furnace working, you can get really small or you can get really, really big scale. Um, and I, I mean, I don't make pipes, but that's how pipes are also made. Mm -hmm. um, okay. And then uh, cold working. I do a lot of cold working. It's when after you have a piece of glass, um, polishing it, cutting it, grinding it, stuff like that. And then I do, like with these earrings and the shapes that I just showed you, it's um, that's cold uh, constructed. So it's not actually like fused together hot. I used um, special glue to like uh, put everything together and keep it. And it's a very, very strong glue. Um, but, gotcha. Yeah, so I do a lot of stuff like that. And um, a lot of, yeah, I would say most of my work is cold work in some way. Gotcha. So would you say then like kiln, sounds like kiln, uh, like the casting is like where you get to do more of that mass produce stuff. Like, you know, you pour it, like what we did for Yvonne's class, uh, pour like the... Yeah, well, glass is a lot different um, because mm. in, like when you're mold making for like ceramics, like uh, slip casting, you can make multiples of it um, really fast, but in the kiln... When you um, uh, when you're heating it and casting, the mold pretty much like it breaks down, so it's not it's more of like a one use oh. thing. Oh, so it's a lot of work Dang. to do one. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Sounds like it. And is flame working more where you get to have like the torch? Yeah. It's like the torch and then like cold is more like you already have the pieces. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Good to to know. Yeah. I would Um, say like cold working is like, you would look at the shop and think of it more as like a wood shop, like, like with machines and you're, you're cutting um, or like metal and you're grinding and stuff like that or polishing glass. Okay. Yeah. That definitely clears it up for me <laughs> um cool and so as i mentioned before my uh, co-host jack is from norfolk and he was talking to us about or um to me about how big the glass art uh community is in norfolk and you're also studio assistant at the chrysler uh glass art studio um so so he wanted to know, and I also want to know more about, you know, what that community is like in Norfolk. Yeah, so I would say I'm still kind of in a little weird bubble because I've only been here for a year. And then a lot of that year has been kind of shut down because of coronavirus. Um, mm-hmm. So I would say that my experience has been a little bit limited to just uh, people at Chrysler Museum of Art and Chrysler Glass Studio, um, but I made really great connections here. And um, the thing about glass is it's a very, it's a material that people get very dedicated to, but the community itself is very, very small. Like if you think about ceramics, there's, you know, thousands and thousands of ceramic artists. And then there are thousands of glass artists, but not nearly as many. So it's just making these connections, like, you know, I could walk up to another assistant and be like, oh, this was my professor. And they'd be like, oh, I met them at, you know, this craft school. And that that's very common. And we all kind of like get in this like tight-knit community, um, which, you know, has its positives and negatives. Um, yeah. But as for Norfolk itself, um, I would say that, yeah, I, I can't comment too much on... Um, outside of the studio because I pretty much went during my time here, I either spent time working as an assistant at the studio, working on my own work or um, working to make money um, and trying yeah. to sleep in between. So, yeah. And, just, and have time for yourself. Yeah. yeah usual artist stuff. <laughs> yeah, I definitely get that. But how would you compare it to, you know, because you were also in Worcester for the residency and also, you know, you studied in Philly. So, you know, I guess compared to Worcester and Philly, what's Norfolk like in the gas community? Do you think that it's still hard to say because you, it's more, yeah, you haven't been yeah, in the um, community? I would say like Philly definitely has a bigger art scene. We just, I mean, there's more people, there's more galleries. Um, there's more opportunities for art. Like, it's also like different for me being specifically glass as something that I'm interested in. Although I did have the opportunity to, um, you know, go visit Richmond and check out some of the art um, around there, which was really, really cool. Um, but I'd say Worcester, I had a very, very limited experience because I was there for, um, like five days and my job basically there was just to um you know be a visiting artist do work on my work and then uh teach a class so it was very just i pretty much only went to the studio there and um, gotcha. made work. 
Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, that's cool. It's, it's like interesting thinking about the other art communities around in other cities and other in other places. Um, and so can you talk to us more about um, the, you know, working at Chrysler Glass Studio? And you said that it was an unpaid, I guess, internship. Yeah, What's we call that it experience? like an assistantship. It's assistantship. Yeah, it's basically the same thing as an internship. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been going well. It definitely is um, something that uh, you know I'm bringing up like issues with not being paid. It really is like things like this where I'm pulling probably you know before co- pre COVID, I would say I was doing. Um, 20 or more studio hours at the studio working for Chrysler and then, um, you know, not being paid for any of that time. And then also that time being lost to whatever job I am being paid to do. So while it was um, something that I thought was worth it, it's definitely had its drawbacks. And I would say that um, a lot of the people who do this program are being supported by parents or supported by other people um, financially. I, I wasn't really one of those people. So I had to, you know, it definitely made my experience different than their experiences. Um, and, you know, there were a lot of times where they were like, oh, let's go in the studio or oh, let's, you know, go grab a drink and I just be working constantly and just be, you know, stressed out. But I would say yeah. that there are some benefits um, to the program, just the studio access, the um, connections I made, um, stuff like that is really beneficial. And I do get a small studio space. Um, awesome. It's not in the studio itself, but it's, it's across the street. So, um, gotcha. Yeah. And the, something that I think is very beneficial is that you just come in contact with artists um, and get to know them very well and just so much you can go to anyone pretty much for advice or you know for technique or concept or just life advice um, which is always valuable that's what I miss about art school <laughs> I don't miss the school part I yeah. miss the the community part it's that that really was the best part now that I'm not you know, around that community as much, I'm like, who do I go to for this stuff now? And yeah. so very valuable. So, I mean, so it does definitely sounds like it has its pros and cons for sure. Yeah. Or, I definitely yeah. do think it should be paid though, or at least a stipend or come with housing or something. Um, I just think it's asking a lot for people to, um, you know, I actually had an experience where uh, pre-COVID, I pretty much had to quit some of my hours and I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to continue uh, because that was when my um, student loans started kicking in and student loans are, you know, they're a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's, yeah. just, it's hard to like be paying rent and then being paying like more than my rent for loans so like um I did have like a weird experience there I tried my best to create a new schedule for myself so that I could still help out but then also spend more time making money yeah 
Yeah. And, and I, you're touching on a lot of things that I want to talk about because, you know, something that we talked about a lot between ourselves is, you know, having that access, having the money to be able to fund ourselves while trying to get that access and also like the time spent to get the money to fund ourselves to live. And then also, again, have that, you know, studio time. Um, so kind of like following on that, let's talk about access, you know, glass is something that you definitely cannot do at home, unfortunately, but also fortunately, please don't do it at home. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so what are ways that our artists can have access to materials, studio, and I feel like also if you're doing glass blowing, then also having peers to, to do that, you know, you're doing this assistantship, but what, what are other ways that artists can do that? Yeah, so I would say it's, um, so I want, I want to kind of break it down in a, a few different things. It's that, um, so during, I would say during COVID and all this, when I didn't have studio access, I was still finding ways to do glass at home. So like I said, I'm oh, not okay. really like, like I, I love, you know, working with hot glass and all that, but, um, you know, I was doing a lot of cold working at home with just like a hand, you know, grinding pad and, you know, cutting sheet glass and finding my ways to use materials I already had and um, kind of work on projects there. And then sometimes I I actually think like limits are fun or good for me because I try to like continue to make limits, um, you know, things that, you know, boundaries like, you know, when I don't have studio access. However, mm -hmm. um, glass is a very it's like a very privileged material in a way. Um, it's an expensive material for sure, uh, especially for this working. That's a very expensive way to be making glass because I would say, you know, rent could, renting an hour of hot shop time could run you anywhere from like 30 to $60 an hour just to use equipment. Um, and I would say that like, you just have to be, like if you're doing glass, um, it's one of those things that you have to be like super dedicated about to um, at least furnace working. But really like, um, I find that most people in glass, they, they need to be working with the material um, to like, to stay in it. Um, and then if they, they aren't really feeling it, then it's kind of like, you know, although I would, I, I'm kind of contradicting myself because I do do a lot of work without glass, but I think it's just one of those things that is fascinating and you're kind of drawn to, but mm -hmm. yeah. And then some people have home studios with like, my friend just bought a kiln and she'll be starting to work with the kiln at home and starting to like, you know, I have another friend who has a torch, um, like a small torch for flame working. And then there are smaller ways to get set up, but um, I do also have another friend who did um, put, I think, a down payment on a furnace and is starting to build her own studio, uh, which is something that I probably would never do, but I give yeah. her a lot of props for doing that. Yeah. Is that like, so, I, I, yeah, because again, I'm not knowledgeable in glass. So, co-working i understand because you get it's like yeah you're not really working with fire but if you're doing like torch and kiln like how, what are safety me measures that you have to 
take in order to make sure, you know, cause you're working, I feel like you're working with fire and like well, heat and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Baby artists who wants to try some smaller stuff at home. Yeah. Well, I would say, definitely say before you try anything at home, like go to another studio and try it first. Um, <laughs> yeah. And like, uh, because it's just expensive, honestly, it's expensive to do a like startup. Um, so if you're not really, you know, totally committed to it, I would just say like, um, start at another studio, learn a lot. And then, um, start thinking about like I don't even own a lot of my own equipment uh, just because it's very expensive um, and then safety wise like if you are starting a home studio um, there's you know definitely the lesser safe ways to do things like you know just starting in your house or something but there are also like um, one of the people who works at the studio with me has his own um, studio in his basement, but he got like an HVAC person to come in and work on ventilation and stuff like that and making it very safe so that um, he can have it in his home. And, you know, that's, uh, it's also about like, you know, where are you, where are you thinking of living? Are you traveling a lot? Are you moving around a lot? Cause like, I just don't have the stability right now to have anything like that. Um, because I probably, I live in Norfolk now, but, um, honestly, if COVID hadn't canceled a lot of the stuff I applied to, I might've been moving. Okay. Gotcha. So it sounds like being able to go to a studio and maybe taking a class at a studio are some ways you can still have access. Um, COVID has been popping up a lot. We're going to take a little bit tangent here. I'll be going back to like the money and time part, but you know, how has COVID impacted impact you? Because again, like we we're talking about, you know, studio work, being exposed to other people can be a little bit dangerous. You're opening up a little bit or Norfolk is opening up a little bit. Like how, yeah. How has COVID impacted all of that? Yeah. Um, it's definitely impacted glass a lot especially our classes and blowing glass because when you're blowing glass you're literally sharing a blowpipe with another person blowing into the same tube and um you know sharing all those germs and everything and that's a big no-no right now so even mm. the people like when we are blowing glass and using masks like we have to wear masks even when working with hot glass and it's it's really hot doing that so you're always sweating but then it's like on top of that you're wearing a mask um and it's just we we came up like chrysler itself um robin rogers um he came up with a way to like use an air air pressure um and hooking up to a device so that we could not use um our own breath but we could use uh compressed air to inflate glass so that's like one way we've been kind of like getting around um sharing but um it's just like it's very it's impacted a lot of everything we do because it's limited hours now um i personally have not blown glass since i've assisted but i have not blown my own glass since um it's just I am a little weary of it, especially, um, you know, if I were to blow with somebody else, I would feel a lot more responsible because I'm, you know, a service 
worker. Like I, I work at a restaurant, so I'm very exposed to other people and other germs. And I, if I do have something, I don't want to pass it on to someone else and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. 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 And it also puts you at risk because then if you end up catching it, you'll then have to maybe like, hopefully it's not severe or maybe you're just asymptomatic, but you still have to like, you know, stay at home, can't go to work. That sounds like a very risky situation to be in for sure. Um, and sorry, another tangent, but Chrysler Glass Studio. So then, so is it more, it's a studio and you just have a bunch of classes and like, uh, like what's kind of the setup, I guess, for the studio? It sounds like it's a, a pretty big, big one. Yeah, it's, um, it's a good size. Uh, I, they actually are, um, the building itself is um, a little bit small for everything we're doing, uh, but they are working on expanding and having an, another uh, building. Um, I think it's like a couple blocks away, but uh, the expansion is um, probably won't happen for still like a few years. Uh, but so Chrysler, we, do a lot of um, make your own pieces like uh, workshops for people uh, one or two day workshops and then um, I would TA a lot of those uh, between stuff like you know blowing your own ornament versus uh, uh, fusing some coasters or like kind of like more make your own stuff and then there are some other classes that are uh, teach you a little bit more about actually like blowing glass and stuff like that um, and we're, it's pretty big on, um, like, Chrysler Glass Studio. What Robin, um, who's the studio director, says a lot is that we're not actually, like, a total glass studio. We're a museum, you know, uh, like, display of a glass studio, which is very different because of the fact that, like, we're very education-based. Um, we're you know, it's part of the main museum. It's not just we're separate from that. And that definitely impacts like what we do, but that's why we have a new demo every day we're open um, to kind of educate people about glass. And then um, we do partner with two schools. However, COVID has kind of changed that for this year. Um, but uh, I was a TA uh, until COVID um, for Old Dominion University. and. Um, Virginia Wesleyan University also uh, does some classes with us. Gotcha. And then as a studio assistant, are you, is it, so it sounds like it's, it's so much an internship, internship, but is it also kind of similar to TAing? Like, are you assisting the teachers in the classes or like artists who are building their own work? Yeah, we're pretty much TAing uh, every weekend. Um, and then some, if you're a TA for the college class every week too, uh, we're not as much working, you know, for other artists, except for when Chrysler brings in, they usually bring in um, a visiting artist uh, twice a year. And then um, we have the opportunity to help them out. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And then so studio assistant, is that like also like having to manage the studio and the cleanup and stuff like that too? Uh. Yeah, we do a lot of cleaning, a lot of cleaning. And then um, especially because, you know, we're, we just have to keep up with the cleanliness of like a museum standard. And then, oh, wow. uh, 
Yeah, it's a lot of that. Um, sometimes we, like today, I was working on, you know, some more, like, stuff to improve the studio, more techie type stuff. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sounds like you're a tech TA studio manager uh yeah that's just being an those. assistant we kind of just do whatever you know is needed okay gotcha wow um well look i mean that kind of just leads to my follow-up questions because i mean we're talking a lot about you know glass being an expensive uh material um having to be able to invest in that you're working another job right now what are what would you say are other ways that that you can fund yourself like grants maybe um other than like having to work another job would be possible um yeah I definitely wanted to look into more grants but then a lot of grants uh just started to be uh for relief funds for COVID um and it's hard to like I am not paid to do art an art job so an art related job so i you know, don't qualify for any of those grants, but I would like to get a lot of, um, once I, now that I have a lot of proposals ready, um, you know, once, you know, there's more money for actual, like, you know, projects. And I'm not saying like the relief funds aren't great or anything. I think they're wonderful, but, um, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like bad timing for me, I guess. But yeah, I would say that like, I, I pretty much stick to, like, I have a, a lot of people at the studio do production working and make, you know, um, glass vessels, pumpkins, uh, ornaments to sell. I like to keep art, my practice and making money for rent separate. That's just my personal choice. It's like, I want to love what I'm doing and want to make work that, um, work to show and not be hindered by the fact that I'm making money on my art. Um, I do like, I do make small production things, but again, it's very related to my practice. Like these little earrings, um, you know, they're stuff that I've worked on for my actual like artwork. Um, and they're more like a fun side project for me than, uh, like a way to rely on rent or anything Mm -hmm. like that. I, I just think it, keeping it separate from me works um, and it allows me to create what I want and um, not be hindered in any way. That's amazing. No, I think that's awesome. I think, yeah, cause I get that, you know, like it's hard once you start trying to make your crafts own avenue to make money, you can potentially lose that interest trying to get that money. So yeah, that's that's awesome. Well, my next question then it's going to be about time because we're again we're talking about now having to make money. You work a restaurant job, and I know I knew those. Uh, and I feel like glass is just such a process where you're working in the studio for a pretty long time, and you want to make use of that slot time slot. Um, what are some tips? You know, or how are you managing your time between work in order to help? pay rent, pay pay loans, and also, you know, then having time for um, those class slots. Um, what are some like tips or that you have to kind of stay on schedule for yourself? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty hard. Um, yeah, it's, 
I'm just going to talk about things pre-COVID for now. It's just um, before yeah. I was working every single day of the week. I never had a day off. I never had weekends, anything like that. Uh, mainly because I chose restaurant working, um, just because it's a really easy way to get, like, make good money. Um, but, you know, like, I didn't even have really, I got major holidays, literally Christmas Day and New Year's Day, and that was, you know, pretty much it. And um, it's just something that, you know, I was exhausted, but I was like, you know, I'm, you know, getting there I'm doing it and um yeah it's just it's definitely very draining and when you're at that place it's harder to make work because you're just so exhausted all the time from you know labor to just make rent and then have studio access and then it's like when do I have time to make my work and um for a lot of my first assistantship here which was from so I kind of, I reapplied for a second assistantship. The first one was from last July to January. The second one was from January to this July. So my second one's ending soon. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. And I, my, throughout my first assistantship, um, I didn't, I really didn't make too much, but I also, um, you know, did a lot of things that I never did personally um just throughout school I was a workaholic I worked all the time you you know um oh yeah <laughs> yeah I and you know realized I realized after moving how healthy I thought I was being but I was being so unhealthy um about oh, yeah. you know just all the hours I was just doing and then when I came here it was you know I kind of reflected on like trying to prioritize more than just working and trying to see, you know, you know, it was um, a fresh start for me and all of the other assistants in my group were, everybody was new, everybody was moving to Norfolk. Um, and we all bonded pretty great. Um, and, you know, it was one of those things where I was, I just had to take a step back and be like, yeah, art's very important to my life and I do make a lot of work. But sometimes, um, you know, just seeing what other priorities I have and like, you know, part of it was just establishing friendships and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Because um, I feel like, yeah, we both were in that place, yeah. you know, like working a lot, not having time for friends and stuff. So, yeah, I guess talk to me more about that because that is so typical for artists, you know, to neglect some of that personal time, the time for themselves to um, really, you know, just enjoy life, <laughs> eat, eat, sleep. Um, and especially when I look at your work, I feel like it's the work is pretty heavy. You're, 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 you're processing a lot of emotions and you know things that have happened in your life um so I guess yeah like I guess talk to us more too like what do you do for yourself to kind of allow time for yourself to just kind of like stay back a little bit maybe you're just not gonna work on art you know like what, what are some things that like have helped you um kind of find more of a balance work-life balance yeah I I would say that um you know just 
with my schedule, I tried as much as I could to um, have my schedule at the studio be consistent and then have, you know, I worked at a restaurant, so my schedule, you know, I gave them availability and then my schedule changed every single week. Uh, and then just whatever time I had, I would try to, you know, either see friends or, uh, you know, make food or sleep or, you know, just anything I needed to get done. I would say that mm -hmm. I didn't really have a lot of free time at all. And then um, if I had free time to be in the studio, that was great. And I would try my best, but, you know, the reality is, is that sometimes it just doesn't happen and you're just going through and just trying to get everything you can done without going crazy or anything like that. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say that like a good thing is, you know, having deadlines. Um, and it's kind of in a way kind of like school where you have a deadline and you have to stick to it. And, um, whether I am like, I, I look at applications all the time. I look for opportunities nonstop and I apply for things nonstop. And that's like really, I think like a big thing for me is like when I give advice to my friends or anyone, it's just to keep, always keep looking for opportunities to apply for. Because when, you know, you look at an application, it says you need this, this, and this, then you have to prepare that. And that makes your work stronger because you're, preparing more work, your, um, you know, stuff like that. And then part of my assistantship here is that we had a group show that we all contributed work for. Um, so I had that deadline, the first uh, assistantship round, and then um, we're doing an online exhibition for the second assistantship. So like having those clear deadlines, like, um, really helps me uh, in you know, I really do think it pushes me to work harder because, you know, I don't want to keep applying with the same work over and over again. I want my work to change and grow. So then, um, you know, when you look at an application and see your portfolio and see what you're, you know, putting out. And um, I just think, like, if you want to be accepted for those things, you have to, you know, work for it. That's awesome. No, I think that makes a lot of sense, too. Like, being able to, you know, it's like, so where, you know, where, like, especially right now, where you're, if you're not in school, and, you know, you're not given those assignments, you give your, it sounds like you give yourself assignments to work yourself for towards, and then have those consistent deadlines to know where, you know, when something needs to be due and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of, um, self-discipline. <laughs> yeah. It's also just, it's good practice. Um, because even sure. if you're not going to get something, at least you, you know, put together some thoughts, you wrote a proposal, a lot of like what people don't realize is just so much of, um, art is writing and being able to explain what you're making and how, like, you know, you have to really dig deep there and um, it's just so much writing uh, and just being, you know, developing that more. And then honestly, writing about your work helps you figure out your work more and then gives you new ideas and more drive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's awesome. Um, 
So I know we're pretty much like kind of coming up on on our time here, but so because we're talking too about you know you've well I mean I looked at your 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 website and your CV and girl you have an impressive (laughs) uh, impressive one Uh, you know you've been um, exhibited and also awarded at a couple galleries so your work has been featured. Uh, in the Glass Art Society International Student Ex- Exhibition in St. B- Petersburg, Florida, and Viz Arts Next Gen in Rockville, Maryland, and where you've also been awarded. Uh, and then you've also exhibited at the Kitchen Table Gallery, uh, the Art Center, and also Neil Britton Gallery. You've done some, um, re- you did a residency in Worcester as well. Now you have this assistantship. Can, what are some tips that you can give to other artists regardless of their medium about how they can, you know, either get into these, you know, um, exhibitions, get these grants, you know, what are some things that you've seen work successfully for you that you would, again, uh, you would also um, tell someone else? Yeah, I would just say, you know, I guess the best thing is just keeping your eyes open and applying to everything you can, like whether... Like, I never expected some of my work to, you know, be awarded or anything like that. Like, that came to a major shock. And honestly, the reason why I got the residency was because my work was awarded at the um, International, like, Gas Conference. And, um, you know, it's just, during those times, I was being very pushed by professors. But I, you know... You know, professors can only push you so much. You have to, like, put in the work yourself, and you have to want it. I had a lot of friends in school who just didn't apply for things and never, you know, took the chance to do that and never put in the, you know, because applications, they're not, like, it's not like just, you know, put a couple things in and there you go. You, you have to redo the entire thing every single time you apply for a new thing. You have to rewrite a statement. You have to put in new new work um and then it's also about like just choosing you know the right piece for the right time um depending on what you're applying for i would say um but yeah i i just think that you you just have to really want it and like really go for it and just always be looking and applying writing yeah yeah definitely a lot of writing for sure especially if you want grants and stuff and every time (laughs) um awesome well awesome well abby this has been great my last question is what would you define as success for yourself or what would be your ultimate goal (laughs) either one of those questions (laughs) yeah it's funny because i mean i think about that constantly and you know, like, like I told you before, uh, we started talking, you know, I was talking to Yvonne, um, one of our former professors, and, you know, talking about her always makes me reevaluate my life, because I'm just like, what am I trying to do? What am I, what are my goals for art? And, you know, why am I in this? And a big thing for me, personally, is just, um, you know, I think art is a great avenue for change, and a lot of my work is verges on social and political. And um, you know, I just I want my work and to like 
you know, make an impact and like make an impact in people's lives. Um, one of my, Katie Murphy, she's, um, I think her title is programmer. No. I don't know, but she's my kind of my boss at Chrysler. <laughs> um, she's kind of in charge of like the assistance and everything. And she's a really great resource. And she's just, um, she, when she was helping me go over some of my applications, um, she read my artist statement and uh, she added in um, just a saying that I, I took to be like this really big quote now is um, just the personal is universal. Like, and my work is very personal. It's very much about like how I view the world. And, um, you know, when I'm talking about personal experiences with grief or with being, you know, Asian American and stuff like that, um, you know, it is personal work, but other people, I want other people to relate to it. And so I guess like my big goal in life would be to just like be showing at, you know, places and having people be impacted by my work. Yeah, definitely. And I'll say that you're really like, Abby, I'm always amazed by the work that you create. Uh, like listeners, you have to check out her work. Um, it's amazing. Again, like the, the way that you work with glass, like blows my mind. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's also just like, and I love the way that you talk about experiences, like the one with the banana, like, oh, like that's one of my favorites too. And it's just, uh, again, I think you're, I think you're definitely on um, a great path for yourself and and you're making great work and I think your hard work is really paying off though I know that you're so exhausted <laughs> sending as much good vibes as I can your way um for sure so you know Abby thank you so much for yeah, joining thank you. yeah no this was great and I think uh, this is so great um well for our listeners where can they find you um and your work um I, I do have a website. Um, it's abigailoffelman.com. And I have um, Instagram, which uh, is abby.u. That you. <laughs> you yeah. got it. And I'll make sure to, to link uh, um, your site and, and your um, Instagram as well. But yeah, everyone... and I guess um, just like one final advice is that, like, oddly enough, um, you know, I've messaged some artists that I've looked up to very highly on Instagram and they're just like, yeah, like, you know, they're very open. So, um, you know, every now and then, like the worst you can do is like message someone and they just won't respond. But like a lot of times you can, you know, just, I found that you can create a lot of good connections through just like, just asking people that you admire, stuff like that. Did you like share your work with them or just like, Hey, say, Hey, like I'd love yeah. to chat on the phone. Um, mm -hmm. This artist who I, um, my senior year of high school, uh, my professor Sharon just uh, told me about her work and her name is Jennifer Ling Dachuk and she's amazing artist hits everything I'm trying to like hit. And um, I just messaged her on Instagram one day, like, um, because I saw something she posted uh, and responded to it. And then she was like, yeah, I saw your work up at Tyler during the um, American uh, Craft Council meeting, um, you know, when I did the display of the bananas. And she was like, yeah, I really resonated with that piece. And I was like, 
<laughs> so it's like sometimes like you know you, you never know and then um when something like that will happen and you know it's also i guess like specifically if we're talking about specifically glass glass is such a small community and we all think like all these artists are like so crazy and wild but then like at the end of the day we're we're not movie stars or like you know you, you know, big name pop stars or anything like that. We're just artists and nobody knows what we look like. So, you know, it's not like every day people are going up to them like, oh my God, this is who you are. Like, but we, that's how it feels like I'm meeting like a celebrity when I see like an artist I really admire. And then they're just like, just like us, just like regular people. Yeah, yeah, it's so funny. Like when I'm like, oh my god, this person is like a movie star to me. You know, like my favorite photographer mm-hmm. would be like a movie star for to me. But I mean, that's amazing. That's awesome that you know she recognized your work and she was like, it stood out to her. That's awesome. Good news. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but I think that's that's also really valuable. I think one of Avon's favorite things to say is like. I mean, you're going to have to fail a thousand times before you even hear, like, a yes anyway. You're you're going to hear no way more. You're going to hear yes. So there's no harm in it. So, yeah. 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 So awesome. This has been great. I can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, Listeners, thanks for listening. You can follow Working On It on Instagram at WOI underscore podcast. Um, as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts on our show and hear what you like, what you'd like to hear more of. Um, please also give us a rate and review wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And even though Jack's missing, I think he would not like it if I didn't plug in Culture Snack Media. Um, but you can follow Culture Snack Media at culture snack media on instagram cult snack media on twitter and our website is culture-snack.com i might have totally butchered that but it is it is our podcasting network so please be sure to follow us there and um awesome you can find me at j-e-m-m-a.d-i-l-a-g if you'd also like to give me a follow abby again thank you so much (laughs) yeah thank you Bye, everyone.